Hey, it's David Ward. Real quick before we get to the episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the content, please share and subscribe to the podcast. I've heard every time you subscribe, a drummer gets their wings. So please help a drummer out and subscribe. All right, now on to the show. Enjoy. Welcome to Musicians on the Record. I'm David Ward. This is the show where we get the musician's story, and I am so psyched today, live on Facebook, on the internet, we've got legendary drummer Billy Cobham on the show with us today. Billy, welcome. Thank you so much, David. It's a pleasure to be up that far north in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're in the Motor Studios in Portland, Maine. You are in Switzerland, correct? Yes, in, just outside of Bern in Schiffen. Yeah, Yeah. beautiful. And what's the weather like in, uh, in, in Switzerland? How was your day? Well, today it was pretty much like around uh, about 45 degrees thereabouts. But uh, I can tell you... Uh, that could change at any time, right. like of where you guys are. You That's know, right. That's right. you'll That's see right. a moose walk down the street, and you realize, oh, hey! Oh, instead of it being called a moose, it's called an elk here. An elk, yeah. yes. <laughs> and you get out the way and right. let it go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't want to run into one of those things, no. right? It's not good. It's not good. So yeah. where, wherever folks are watching from in the world, let us know where you're watching from. You can ask Billy any questions you want. Leave your comments, whether you're watching live or in the replay. Please mm -hmm. join us. That would be great. And I'm really excited, Bill, because... Uh, we're going to be able to connect in person later this year, the summer. We've got the Art of the Rhythm section happening in Mesa, Arizona in July. Yeah. Please tell me and about that, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, what that means is we will be working together with greats like Randy Brecker and, uh, and Lee Oscar, uh, Fareed Hawk, great guitarist with Joe's Avenue. Um, then uh, there's uh, who? Tim Landers, my old bass player from way back in the day, uh, who come back to me and, and has been working me, with me since uh, in the last two, three years. And last but not least, I should say Scott Tibbs and, and Paul Hansen, who's a rather fascinating person. Scott Tibbs is a Mr. Roland. He, he's a, a designer for Roland uh, keyboards. And electronic stuff, and he's an incredible uh, player. You know, he played with Omar Hakim and uh, Beyonce, people like this. He's studios in in the United in um, in California, and out of straight out, kid out straight out of uh, of, of uh, Henderson, uh, uh, which is outside of Las Vegas. Okay, and, but and uh, Paul Hansen is rather fascinating. He's our savant. He's uh, if you can imagine. In, in, envision somebody standing on a corner playing an instrument that sounds kind of like a kind of like a bassoon, kind of uh, kind of like a, a, a bass clarinet, clarinet, bassoon, uh, uh, and it turns out, yeah, it's a bassoon, uh, <laughs> but it sounds like Charlie Parker run. Is that right? And, uh, yeah, so uh, he's quite serious, and then he turns around and plays like Lenny Pickett on on soprano saxophone. He's in, he's out of the Bay Area. All of these guys, uh, except for the, the stupid drummer, uh, have got their degrees in this and that, you know, the professorial blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And uh, one's, uh, one's retired from uh, Northern Illinois in the Cal, and that's Fareed. And then you have Scott, who's been finagling around at UCLA. Tim is over at Procaro's place in the Los Angeles College of Music. He's teaching there. And... Paul, last but not least, is at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music and Jazz. Mm -hmm. wow. And it says, oh, by the way, yeah, this is what we have to do to earn a living. You know, but we're not, we're not, we, we, we can't just, we're not musicians. We have to have a real job, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do for a living? Can, yeah, okay. So they got that, you know. <laughs> and so, then that leaves me. And so I'm chuckling along, trying to find everybody a gig. You know. Well, you're, you're you're the you're the other savant in the room as well, uh, quite, quite frankly. So, and we can't forget about uh, the global ambassador of drumming, Dom Famulero, is also going to be part of that too. Oh right? yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know. He's probably got about a million different honorary degrees to one degree or another. Right. You know. Yeah. That all you know from the from a uh, you know on a scale of one to ten can get him on a bus at any point in time if he has enough money. That's right. That's right. Same like me, you know. Except I don't have anything that proves that. 
That's fantastic. So, you know, you, you, how many years now has this, the retreat been going? This is, we're entering our fourth year and I'm, I'm really, really like proud. I'm saying, gee, they actually bought this. I can't believe it. You know, <laughs> this is actually real. The people right. are actually, I, 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 I got them going. Yeah. You know, we got some live ones here. But, and and it, the thing about it is, is that it's not about a whole lot of numbers. We're talking about just getting people who are really interested in getting better at what they do at any level. So if you take that concept, that means it's not about scales. It's about how you feel, how you play, how you connect with your, with your, your, your colleagues on the bandstand in real time. So you hit the ground running on the blues What's going to get everybody happy, you know, uh, so to, to get the feeling that you know what you're doing so that they can feel that they can share it with you. And that's what this project is about. Um, and this year, it's really focusing on how to feel good when you play. So we call it the feel good sessions. Oh, that's so what's going to happen is that when you come to play, because I know you're coming on. Yes. got to play, man. You got to come. uh uh, in the afternoon, you'll be assigned a rhythm section, right. and your audience will set the tempo for you. Hmm. And yeah. and the whole objective that it, it that can start, it doesn't have to be the drummer that starts the thing. Okay. Could be the bass player just plays a line. Okay. It could be you know we'll take what I, I've got a list of my tunes, things like like of course, uh, Stratus, Red Baron. Uh, hip pockets, uh, you know, all all groove tunes from my my, my recordings. Buggy yeah. Thida sings things like this. About ten of them, or fifteen of them, and you know, and and, it's, and Lalib, uh Panama. But it's grooves that you can keep. And the whole thing, just, uh, objective is for whomever starts it in the game. When everybody else comes in, that's assigned to the rhythm section. You have to sustain it. For at least a couple minutes, like if it's Panama, bum, chicken, bum, 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 and we're clapping. This is the tempo, wow. and all of us are clapping in the room. Nice. Bum, bum, bum. And if we stop clapping, that means you failed. Oh, okay. So it's about the body language. That you means see? you're not feeling it if you stop clapping. If you're not feeling it, why are we clapping? Right. If you can't make us feel good, then something's wrong. Mm. So that's when we take somebody in the rhythm section. That doesn't seem to be that, that seems to be the weakest link, or maybe even the strongest link, and replace them with somebody else that might fit. Mm-hmm. You know, we discuss that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. So I- it's not. It, it, it's it's just how. What do you have to do? And almost always, the key is simplicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's the chord, how the chord is played, support mechanism, the bass, and the drums. They stay where they are or what you, you have to decide. It's raw, streetwise, you know, common sense. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. we get that. Everybody's happy. Right. Because especially with the rhythm section, drums and bass yeah. specifically, we are there to serve the song, serve the music. Right. 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 You know, so we and, and it's about 30, 40 of us or maybe, maybe if we're lucky 50. But at the most, I mean, we can't do more than that. All the whole organizations has to sit there and go, okay, let's help these guys get this through, get through this. And if that's happening, you pass the course, man. Yeah. You know, you're doing it. There it is. You know? yeah. It's on to somebody else that has to do the same thing. And every day it's like that. Right. That's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try my best to make you still clap. So Oh yeah, no <laughs> you know we, we you know we'll be there. We're supposed to support you. Yeah. But you I mean you're we're your springboard. Once we get you going, now you gotta keep us That's right. That's in the loop. Right. Yeah. You know, there was one time one of my interviews, I was lucky enough to interview uh Daryl Jones, the hey. bass player yeah. of the Stones, who one of my also, favorite. Yeah, right. And he he also played with Miles Davis as you did and, and it, stepped ahead. Yeah, right. And and it blew my, blew my mind when he was talking about listening to the intention of another musician. Seems mm-hmm. like this is some of what we're talking about. Is that right? It's a lot of what we're talking. About. It's not listening. It's interpretation, interpretation of what the other players do. You can listen, but then there's another. There's, the next dimension is to translate what you've heard in real time, and to turn that into something that you then 
spit out back to everybody yeah. all at the same time. Right. So it's like you hear that, you go, wow, yeah, man. It could only be one stroke, but that stroke has to be right there. Right. You know? Amazing. And consistent. You make people feel, you know, when you're playing, that uh, secure by doing what you do with security, with mm. with intent, that it's consistent and that you're going, this is where it is. Yeah. You're not going, well, I'm not quite sure I'm going to try this. No, 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 no. It's got to be here right now. Okay, because it's already gone by the time you played it. Yeah. So the next one has to be coming, and it has to be in the same place all the time. And so as a drummer, where did you learn this? How did you learn it? Who taught you these things that you are passing on? Experience. Experience. I, it, it, it's like everything I do, but when I'm on the band's end, even the little bits that – you go okay. You're playing. You know. You may be playing too aggressively, and 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 the and the the the, the who can I can how can I call him the um, concert master for lack of a better term, or the guy who's playing the bills yeah. comes to you and says, "Listen, man, if I ever call you again, this is what I'd like you to do." And he may never call you again, but he's going to give you some very valuable information. He or she. Yeah. Um, um, uh, so. Shirley Scott, let's say, and Stanley Turrentine, she was a great legendary organist, and, and her husband was a great tennis saxophone player named Stanley Turrentine. And she came to me and said, Billy, when we, if we call you again, I'd like you to do so-and-so. I never worked from him again. Hmm. Okay? But I was working in Detroit at Baker's Keyboard Lounge in a trio with him. Okay. Um, when I straight flesh out in the Army and all of that, I'm, I want to make sure, I said, I'm not going to sound bad, yeah. and there's a that's a problem. Immediately, that's a problem because I means me. Right. What about the rest of the band? You see? And she said, I need for you to, you know, just give me some, give me something that supports me. You're playing your ass off, but you're only playing for you. Right. And I need, I need somebody, I need for you to play for me. I need for you to play for Stanley. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Easier said than done when you, when you, until you you know you, you you take that in and you go, yeah man, but I was I was playing you know I was there yeah, but only for yourself. Major major lesson, important lesson. Absolutely. And the next thing you know, you go you, 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 until you find what really fits, what the formula is from band to band. You have to be willing to make the moves, whatever that might be, on that particular given gig with the hopes that this is the right part of the formula that will fit. And generally speaking, that always falls back into the environment of just playing just what is necessary to make everybody feel good. Yeah. And that's really hard if you've learned a lot, if you know so much that you, you want to show who you are and that you are different than everybody else, and you're not. Because everybody learned that before. <laughs> How else can you learn it? If, you know, it didn't just come out the air. Right. But you're not thinking that way. You know, right. oh, I need this gig. I need this job. I, you know, yeah. we they're working. They have a tour. I got to do the rest of the tour. So I'm going to play my buns off. And playing your buns off in the way that you're thinking is absolutely wrong. It has to be enough to blend in and be the support mechanism for the people in the front back and they have to then turn around and acknowledge what you're doing by playing what they feel will, will force you to do something more to keep them going. So it's like a, it becomes this loop that's very positive until you get that happening. You don't have a job. Yeah. Right. I, I love that concept because it feels like what, you know, some of what you're saying where my head goes is music, especially in a band is a team sport, right? Right. You know, Michael Jordan could have scored every yeah. point, but he made he had to make his teammates better for them to succeed, right? There you go. Yeah. I mean, and and one of the things that used to drive me, I had a guy that played bass in my band, and I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but because I, you know, it's hard enough to get the well, he can't get a gig anymore; he's passed on. But the thing is, is that he, he used to tell me, he said, "Man, I'm I'm in the I'm the, I'm the greatest bass player." He was trying to make himself feel good. Mm. 
Uh, and, and maybe it was a joke to some degree, you know, but I, did, I was laughing because those are words that are very serious. Right. Coming out of the blue. And he did play some amazing things. He played with a lot of great musicians. And I said, well, this is what I'd like you to play. And when he looked at my material, he just put it off to the side. Hmm. And I knew from the body language that he wasn't going to practice my stuff. Yeah, well. He wanted my job. He wanted the job in the band. Hmm. So we did, we did get to a point where he wasn't, I mean, it, it came across, he was not prepared. He said, don't worry, Billy, and I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to sound bad. No, it's going to be all right. I said, but what about the band? Yeah. Right. You know, sure. here you are. And I said, I can't change you. Yeah. If anything, what can I do to fix this? Because I know you're not going to play very well as part of my band, as a team. Um, now I have to change the music because I know you can't play it. Yeah. Mm. That's a drag. I didn't get response I, in terms of words. I got a response in terms of body language with his silence and, and like, what else do you say to that? You know, and 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 it was a, it was also a lesson for me to learn that uh, just because this, these people have the uh, you you hire someone with a tremendous resume, they play for everybody else. They have to play with respect, not like you, but respect you. They are only going to play for the payday, then they don't respect you. They just respect the amount of money that's coming, and this is going to buy, buy their time so they can get to someplace else where they can do something they would prefer to do. Yeah. That's what I want to stay away from, and that's what I'd like to show everybody uh, to expose to all musicians that music doesn't lie. It, it tells the truth all the time, and if you can play, yeah. not meaning all the notes you know, right? And all this, the, the scales and all of that, it's about what you do with them. Yeah. Sure. And if you can't do that, you're going to hurt yourself and hurt everybody else in the process, and no one's going to be happy. Right, right. And, and you got to play well with the other kids as well in the band, right? So It would make sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, too, where did this idea even come from to do the Art of the Rhythm section? Because nobody made you do this, but obviously this is a passion for you. I started to consider this when, uh, with my, my, I had some really, and I still do, I have, I, who's still around? Well, there's a wonderful pianist who plays from time to time, a uh, jazz pianist named George Cables. And George and I went to the School of Performing Arts. George went to Performing Arts High School, the school that they did the fame series about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went to the High School of Music and Arts in Harlem. Okay. okay, all at the same time, but we lived in the same neighborhood. Along with George was a guy named Clint Houston, who went, actually, he was an act, he was an artist, he was a painter, and a uh, sculptor, and he went to Pratt Institute, but he was a great bass player and, and loved the, the artistry of a bassist by the name of Scott LaFaro, who played with the, the great Bill Evans, the keep the pianist. Sure. Okay, Clint died, okay, so he's no longer with us. We had a band together, uh, actually a, uh, a rhythm section is part of a band called the Jazz Samaritans. We then uh, attended uh, uh, an, a work with an organization called Jazzmobile in New York City. Uh, and uh, out of that organization, the head of that organization, I think, uh, it's the person that I knew as being head of it was the great Billy Taylor. Dr. Billy Taylor was a pianist, jazz pianist. But other musicians were were part of that, that, that worked and supported the project in their own small ways. Uh, and one of them was a guy by the name of Chris White, who played bass with, uh, with Dizzy Gillespie. And uh, uh, the drummer who also, uh, Chris and, and, and the, the drummer Rudy Collins, uh, he passed away many years ago, but those guys were really into the next generation. Billy Taylor, Chris, Rudy Collins, and Big Ben would come, uh, and they had a thing called Rhythm Associates. And what Rhythm Associates did was that they offered a course for six weeks, six Saturday mornings, uh, about three hours uh, on Saturday morning. The reason why, the reason why it was Saturday morning is because there were jazz musicians and they never went to bed until after until around eleven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 
12 o'clock. They, was, they were up all night. They just sort of slide into to Chris's office and it, it, they just dismantle me and George and, 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 and Clint, you know, for playing everything wrong, you know. And, and, and in a way, it doesn't come easy. They didn't, they, they just came streetwise, street words, everything else. They said, man, you wasted my time. They were my audience, you know. Yeah. You guys, try, what are you doing? You know, and they just, just dismantle and then put us back together gently, you know. You need to do this, you know. And, and oh, also the great um, Roland Hannah was a great pianist who played with the Thad Jones Billows Big Band, the original band. And he just said, "You got to understand the chords, the structure of the chords. You got to listen to uh, when you would play when you play a ballad. Learn the lyrics. Um, if you don't know the chords, write them down because and it's an interesting truism. If you don't know something and you write the pattern down, that's what the music's for." You will remember in your mind's eye the music yeah. that you wrote. You, you wrote, not that somebody else wrote. Right. You see, to you, you, in your mind's eye now, you, you've written it, you see the change, you know what's coming, and you play that, you know? And so that's a great guide. And I said to myself, you know, these guys ain't going to be around all the time. I think this is this is a gift that we have to pass on. That just, just and that was 19... Oh, ballpark 68, 69. I mean, I was moonlighting. Oh, no, 67. I was still in the Army when that was happening. I was at Fort Dix at the, at the uh, 178th Army Band with Grover Washington. And, and who else was in that band? John, the, uh, Don, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, oh, Cecil Bridgewater, a great trumpet player. Uh, did the studio all the time. It was Dee uh, Dee Bridgewater's husband. We were all going to the, we were in the army together in the army band and we were in close to New York. So Bordentown, Fort Dix. And that was it, you know, and all of this, we'd study and study and study. And I said, I need to continue this, this uh, idea. When I, if I, I mean, actually it was like a, a, a dream, you know, if I ever could. Yeah. I, yeah Cause and this comes from, it's, it's, it's a reality now, primarily because I, I'm kind of a more of a maverick on a on a on a parallel track to to most players. I am my manager. My wife and I run a mom and pop in a way. You know, it's like this is what we do. We need a bus for the tour. Okay, let's call the bus company. You know, it's that kind of thing. You don't call the manager and say we need the bus. Yeah, uh, no, we do it, and you know, we put all this stuff together. We, we do the pre production, the music. When we make a record, it's, I do the photography, blah, blah, blah. She writes, you know, the credits. It's, it's just what we do. It's yeah. just what, and it's, it's very, very simple thing. And the funny part is that when you, if you do it with not just love and integrity, but with a, a sense of direction, the small amount of product that you may sell in the eyes of some huge conglomerate corporation uh, once you take all those guys out of the way and you just sell it yourself, yes. you probably made more money than you could make if they gave if you had a hit record That's right. and they gave you the half the five percent of wholesale that that you know yeah. no yeah you just walk away going right. okay so we you know we made we 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 made the money back that we needed to print we you know uh, the, the 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 whole artwork is all done and everything like that and we're in profit and we only made like five hundred bucks and you realize good lord. So I could have sold, if I sold a million records, chances are with breakage, um, returns, all this other stuff, I'd still be in debt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so funny. And I just laugh. I go, boy, these guys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Multiplied by how many million artists are out there? Right. Exactly. Yep. Not great deals these days, right? If there oh. ever were, right? You know, you, you sit and you go, okay, I, I get it, you know. And if we got better playing, because it's, it's all about how well we play. So here we are getting on the bandstand, and what's going to determine what we sell is how we play. If we play well, we may just sell two records as opposed to one. You know, it's just that kind of thing. You know, And if we really play well... Wow, I want five records, maybe. You know, right. it, 
but it's still our record. That's right. Exactly. It, and I, I love that, man. You know, and it, and it just goes on like this. And I go, okay. I don't want to. I, 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 I love this is better than any Grammy I could ever win. You know, because mm -hmm. the funny part about the Grammys is that I see the same cast that won the Grammys have to pay the manager and the marketing companies sure. to get, and then they, he, you know, somebody's charging them back for the Grammy that they win. Who's going to send them yeah, I, Right. I got a buck. I got a buck fifty left. I guess that's pretty yeah. good, right? So, <laughs> you know, you yeah. just get to the point where you start. Yeah. You just laugh about it, and you go, "Yeah, it's serious," but you you can't. You you die if you you know if you're going to take this down on taking too personal. You know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so this is really great that this is a dream for you that you got taught these things by amazing mm -hmm. musicians, and that you're giving back. We we were talking before we went live. You're going to be 75 soon next month, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so for me, when I when I look at the seven five and I go, shit, how did I get here? Um, I just made sure that when I saw a red light, it was a red light. You stop. You know, right. you go when it's green. Yeah. You know, all these 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 you know these these things that seem like. Oh man, what are you talking about? You're joking, right? No, yeah, right. no. But okay, you know, it, it, it's um, it's 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 like uh, not mercenary. I can't remember the, 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 but it's just things that you that, that people take for granted in life until you go somewhere where this away from the beaten path, like going to someplace like um, I don't know, at Cornell University or something like this, and these beautiful little towns and manicured, not just by nature. Yeah. You realize, man, I'd love to live here. You know, I'd love to just be quiet. Um, what I have on the bandstand or on stage is enough for me. Yeah. And you start to balance out your life that way. Now, it's being turning 75 and moving to Switzerland, I'm, I'm approaching my 39th year in Europe. Wow. And uh, I say to myself, okay, uh, I get it. Uh, I've learned a lot here, and yet I don't know very much. I mean, this is a region of the world that is not the oldest region in the world. If you wanted to go to China, it's so complicated over there. There's no way. I mean, it's hard for anybody to get anything happening there. But here, the origins of Western civilization fundamentally are here. And when you see how things work and why they didn't work and what's going on right now, Brexit in England, and you take all of these things into consideration – and you study, and then you put that into music, what you end up with is, a, is like a bottomless pit of, of, of ideas, thoughts that are organized because everybody fundamentally has to be organized in order to present themselves. And at 75, I think I'm good for, for 50 personal, 50 albums of my own right now uh, and uh, under my own name. Uh, being able to work with people whom I, I find to be the best that I can find, and and in a in a small group of, of of musicians and artists who would be willing to to co collaborate with me uh, based on my ideas as as an artist, not as a drummer who happens to write music. And oh, by the way, it's more like how can we make this idea work as a team? You know, and that's where I want. What I want to be able to, sh what I want to be able to share with everybody that comes, because it's a pretty easy way to make things happen. I mean, people jump up and down and say, "Yeah, well, the chord may be this, and the chord may be that, and you can, you know, I can identify it this." I mean, okay, great. Now we have the academic thing, but can you give me what I've written based on how it's written and how it sounds on the soundtrack, which is what I've given you. I don't care what what you call it. I just need for you to do it. Right. That's what I want to. That's that's what I'm selling. Okay. Sure. And that's why you're here. And if, yeah. if they can do that, I find that that works very well. And and it, it, the language, uh, in, in 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 these in my 75 years that I've learned tremendously to be the true truest language in the world, which is we can take this music. I've gone to Nepal with Stratus. And it, it, had it played, I was surprised when they played that in Nepal yeah. by Mount Mount Everest. You know, that's awesome. Or, 
or, or, or we just played Almaty, which is in the base of the Hindu Kush, the same mountain range on the backside in Kazakhstan. And here are kids playing Stratus, Red Baron, you know, and for all it's worth, man, in their own way, and they, but they're grooving. You see? And I'm saying, okay, then, of course, is Israel five or six different conservatories in Tel Aviv alone, you know? And everybody's trying to find another way to do the one thing they need to do, which is play very, very simple, direct, and to the point, soulful music. Mm-hmm. And as soon as somebody does that, everybody starts to cry. You know, it's like, it's, it's emotional, you know, and it, you, you start to feel it. That's what I'm talking about. You know, do that, you'll always work. If anything, you'll be running away from the promoters. You know? So the whole objective is to, to, to show that you know what you're doing. Yeah, so you get your parchment and all of that. But then it's down to, like, what do you use from what you've learned when you need it, you know? And this is all that I'm trying to pass on. And this is what, you know, at my, uh, my 75th birthday, it's the idea. It's the idea of playing, touring, all over the place, man, and, and just enjoying. Because I've seen it happen in China. I've seen it. You've got Grace Kelly. Um, it's a kid out of, uh, who studied, I think her dad is, in, uh, let me get this right, is an American. She played alto saxophone. And she, I think she went to music and art high school, like like me, yeah. of course. Um but she's from her. Her mom is Chinese, I think, okay. and she plays unbelievable alto sax and studied with Phil Woods. Yeah. Phil Woods, yeah. insane. Yeah. And when he, I played with her, with the with the with the National Symphony of of uh, of, of Russia in Moscow uh, for for the for the I think it was either the I was the Christmas holidays. Yeah, mm. and we were there. And we both guests yeah. and. She played uh, some tunes. We played some tunes by Louis Armstrong and all of this, and I was just playing in the background. And she played her buns off. And I said, man, it's come a long way, man. I mean, it, I, I've seen it. I've seen jazz. Uh, I've seen uh, the there's a, a jazz ensemble out of, um, oh, man, what's the name of it now? Genghis Khan. Uh, uh, the steps of uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the country now. Uh, is it Genghis Khan? The, the, um, the riding the horses. Uh, can't remember the name of the country, but uh, anyway, these guys had their had their uh, the talking Tibet, huh? Tibet? No, it's not no. Tibet. It's the it's the flatlands. It's where. The uh, Mongols. Uh, okay. Mongolia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you imagine the Mongolian jazz quartz, jazz string quartet, or something like this, right? In in Budapest, Hungary. Wow. And these guys are playing "Scrapple from the Apple" by Charlie Parker. Oh my God! Wow. And I'm going like, hello. Yeah. And when I saw it, I was there for percussion at the workshop, and I, I I had to write my friend back and say, I think it's Clarence, and I wrote him at the time. I said, man, I just came out of a concert by the Mongolian Jazz String Quartet where they were playing the music of Charlie Parker, uh, Scrapple from the Apple. It's amazing. <laughs> and I fell down completely. It was unique, right. you know. <laughs> and I went, wow. Yeah, you know, sure. so much to learn, man. So much to learn. Right. And I, all of this, you know, you, you have these experiences and you play those experiences. Right. And they're always generally... Yes, of course you can. You can find things wrong with them all the time, based on what you know. But just the fact that these people try to do something like that, mm-hmm. and and to to come as close as they possibly could to that. Hey, what can I say? You know, it's amazing. Now this is you know the art of the rhythm section. This <laughs> retreat, which folks can, it's on the screen. BillyCobbinRetreat.com. People can find. It's not just for drummers and bassists, no. right? Please. Yeah, it's for guitar players. It's for keyboard players, and it's for wind players. So you can play trumpet, you can play saxophone, flute, whatever. We need frontline people. The thing is, is that it, to some degree, it's a limited situation. Right now, you know, it's open. Uh, as, as you mentioned, Nancy Ballot, that you guys have that whole thing with with the early bird thing. Yes. Where that, that's not my ballywick. But 
I'm just there to try to, you know, once you, once it's decided who's coming and, and all of that, we'll prepare, we'll be ready. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. what's somebody, uh, and it happens July 14th through the 20th this summer in, yes. in Mesa, mm-hmm. Arizona. Yes. Uh, somebody brand new to this concept, and you're you're looking for a certain level of competence player, not just someone yeah. who picked up the sticks or the guitar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. We're talking about weekend warriors, people who, you know, and, 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 and above, not somebody who just never, never played drums or never played an instrument before. You got to come as, and, and with the knowledge of how to play that you're playing with colleagues on, uh, from time to time is, uh, on the weekend, or you have a small gig in a, in a, I don't know, cocktail lounge or something like this, or jam with friends uh, in your basement, but you guys want to get more out of it than you work doing so that means you need to know how to play you know to some degree and then we talk about that and also what's even more important is not just talking you're rubbing elbows with people who do the same thing so uh, your questions need not necessarily be voiced by you the fact that you're there says that you're interested in being better than you are and so you're going to be as like in a big wave. You're going to be carried forward, and you can't you can't hurt. You've got to be. It's got to be positive that you will make advances just by doing stuff. You know, right. and that's what it's going to be about. Yeah, that's great. So come with an open mind and Absolutely. and and an openness to learn. It's not supposed to be that you you're supposed to know everything. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is you're still learning. At seventy-five, almost right. Oh yeah, I'm still a student. By sh- by, I mean, all I'm trying to do, if anything, that's a platform for me yeah. uh, and my coaches. We all learn. Yeah. You know, we bring stuff. Say, Scott, it, complicated as it may sound, he creates stuff. He brings prototype machines uh, that try things, and he's trying in his own world. We do do an electrical thing called uh, bridging the percussion in percussion, bridging the electric with the acoustic. You know, and so he's setting up uh, loops and stuff like this. And I'm playing inside that and triggering uh, hybrid pickups on, on the drums yeah. with different sounds. Sure. So that's sure. one possibility, one thing that ha- that's definitely happening. Yeah. We're talking about basically, though, how to just have a handshake, musical handshake amongst, your, amongst the, the rhythm section. Yeah. Hey, I'm so-and-so, and this is what I do. Right. Uh, okay, and let's drop that. Let's see if that works with me, you know. And we all lock in, and it starts with the, with the coaches. Yeah. We'll start. We'll play first, mm-hmm. and we'll lay it down. And say this is this is this is where it's at, man. This is what here's your here's your your form. This is what we do. This is how we do what we do. Um, how can we make this go? You know, um, you've got this is where we want to go with it. This is where we want to stay. We just want to build the intensity level. We want to work on the, the dynamics of this uh, of this rhythm section rela- relationship. Sure. Yeah, and you mentioned the early bird special was supposed to end April 1st, but it's extended through the end of the month. So folks, can, yeah, they can find out more about that at BillyCobbRetreat.com. Yeah. And you guys, at the end of the week, you're going to give us a, a concert as part of all oh, yeah. of that, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So the concert will feature Randy Brecker and, and, and Lee Oscar. And of course, the band, you know, right. You mentioned Randy Brecker as well. You guys are playing again. Yeah. He's part of the Crosswinds project. Yeah. And and that we're touring worldwide. Um, And a big tour. Unfortunately, the closest we come to Maine is Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. Not too bad. We'll be be in Nantucket uh, around the latter part of October. Oh, great. Uh, I think it's like ballpark around the 24th or uh, 24th. Yeah, 24th or 23rd, 24th, we're in Nantucket. I will look it up and put it on my calendar then. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And other changes for you that are happening, let's talk about uh, Vader. Yeah. Yeah. Drumsticks. Well, it's a very emotional thing for me. It's very subjective. You know, Vic is gone. Vic Firth was my guy. Uh, Before Vic, it was Herbie Broxine. I've only been with two companies up until Vader came along. And uh, with Broxine was 77 to 89, and then Vic came into my, my life because he made, a, he made a stick specifically for me with the notch on the back. And that just stopped uh, last week. Um, I just decided, you know, uh, the music business primarily, I mean, with, with Vic died maybe three, four years ago, and um, 
that was already hard on me. Sure. But I never had a problem with it because the, the product, the big first product, it's always been consistent. And, and, but in losing that personal kind of touch, eventually I had a feeling it was going to stop. I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm going into that period of where I'm, you know, I'm becoming a pensioner. I probably won't need this stuff that much anymore. And then I realized that after a while, I needed more, I, more than I ever thought. Uh, I needed more help where I never asked for it before because I found a niche with the Art of the Rhythm section retreat, uh, the Sweetwater Partners in, in, in Rhythm project that's coming up in October in the fall. That's kind of like the Art of the Rhythm section retreat, but for directors of, of, of universities and mm-hmm. teaching teachers how to teach better and all of that. Nice. All, all other things, but still small. And it would be held in Sweetwater. So that's another story for another time. Okay. But what's happening... Um, is that with, with um, at Sweetwater, I was talking about, I said, you know, man, I, we need, I, in order to make this happen, we need to keep a, get a lot of, a few companies online and, and to get behind us and make this happen. And when I went to Vic Firth, they weren't in a position to really make that happen anymore. Uh, they'd become much smaller. And I chose to, I, I found that with Vader, I had, it was a young company or one that I didn't really know that well. And I, I said, uh, they introduced me to the to the representatives there, and they sent me some sticks. And unbe- I, at, at first, I never played on, with a maple stick because I wasn't I wasn't really that comfortable with maple in a rock and roll or fusion environment. Okay. I loved hickory, and, and that was really kind of where I wanted to be. It was a much denser stick, and, and it worked best for me. Fast forward to Vader, and they came up with a, a stick called the SD-1. Uh, that's a sweet maple stick. It's a little bit fatter, but lighter. And it, it, it sort of fools me, my hands into believing that it's a heavier stick than it is, but it isn't. Okay. You know, it's, it's really just, and, but the tone coming off of my cymbals was uh, really sweet. I love the sound. And on, on the rim shots and snare drum, uh, it felt like home. Except that I didn't have the notch. So of course, of losing slipping sticks out because with Vic it was the French method of holding sticks, and also everything is pretty loose. Yeah, um, it was the complete opposite of Dan Hinger or Fred Hinger's, where where you the stick and the body become one, and the next thing you know, you're you know your buddy Rich and everything is coming and rattling away, and you're dying here. Right, right. Um, yeah. So uh, I I decided, okay, I need to make a move. Nothing personal business. I got to get this because Vader is willing to promote my projects. And from, not me, but the project. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm at a point right now where it's all about, for me, getting this project to take root. The Art of the Rhythm Section Retreat, the, the Partners in Rhythm, uh, to get people interested to do this five days uh, or two, two weeks a year learning. Yeah. learning uh, and and then taking that information and, and pushing it forward sure. you know uh, that's my contribution you know and so I would like to see that happen it's not about Billy Cobham being bigger or getting more popular right. um, I mean I'm not turning it down sure but uh, I'm the, the main objective is to try to do some things like this and not only here in in the United States but worldwide I mean we've got some really interesting uh, situations pending in places like Central America and South America, of course, in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, normal. Yeah. Uh, but even in the in British military bands, I mean, it, it's all about that. And that's where I, that's where because I was in drum corps when I was a sure. kid. And yeah. Used to compete against St. Kevin's and Boston Crusaders and all of that. You know, so yeah, we go back to Frank Arsenal and Skokie and all of that. I, I know, I know, it's there still. That never will go away. <laughs> That's we don't yeah. want it to go away, right? So yeah, no, not at all. So, no, are, is there already out, or will there be coming a, a Vader Billy Cobham stick? Vader Billy Cobham stick will be out. Uh, will be we're in the it's in the process as of next week. Hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm. Right now, it's a. I know what I want. It'll be an SD one. It's not about having a name on it, although I'm, um, from what I understand, they'll be labeling that stuff, and we'll have it available. Yeah, great. And I'm yeah, I'm playing uh, for the next ten days with a, uh, uh, the what do they call it, the Asian 
The World Jazz uh, Youth Orchestra and it's out of Asia. And they, there's a big uh, meeting here for 10 days in Switzerland where you have young people coming in from uh, South Asia, from Singapore, Malaysia, um, Japan, of course, China, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's about 17 pieces. And, and uh, there's, actually, there's more than 17. My band's around 17 pieces. There's two bands like that. Yeah. And we, they have mentors. And I'm one, Ron Carter, uh, bass player with he'll be here and he's doing um it's um gil goldstein great pianist and arranger for pat Matheny. he's here doing arrangements uh and it just goes on like this you know it's, i'm i'm just blessed because it's only about 50 miles away from my house yeah, that's great so, <laughs> <laughs> I like a lot yeah you know? convenient convenient right like, if i wanted to i could fall out of bed and get to get to work on time maybe right. depends on the traffic yeah. But anyway, right. yeah, that's another story. You, got, you yeah. got a lot of stuff going on. You're not slowing down for 75 at all. No, it, it's a, it's a, it's really about about trying to find a way to to balance that with time off to keep your your body healthy. I, mean, I just found out that I had a, for instance, for the last many years i had a i had an infection in my body that i didn't know about and it turned out it was one tooth in the back of my in my mouth that i it was had a and i didn't know there was a it was infected and i didn't know until nine years later that it was that wow. and it was bothering my left foot oh. on my right side really? left foot holy it God. happens yeah, yeah it's wow. amazing man so just like a an infection a body infection sure. a staph infection whatever I, and two days later i feel Amazing! I haven't felt this way in a long time. Thank God, right? That's fantastic. Yeah, good. You yeah. know, these things happen, and you just go. And so, it's all about management of body, uh, mind. Uh, what as important as being active and working and playing? It's important to be and to take some time out and not do anything right. and just let the brain just. Uh, chew on what what you went through right so sometimes you just take a break from music what are the things Absolutely. what are what are the other things you love to do with your time off photography photography yeah any certain kind check my face, facebook page you'll see okay. quite a bit okay all, I'm, all my, my not all but tremendous amount of my images are there okay that's fantastic mm -hmm. and is that a, a lifelong passion or did that develop Since 1964, my secondary military MOS was uh, photography. Yeah, that's very yeah. cool. That's yeah. very cool. I also have a couple of questions in addition to the Art of the Rhythm section. Some curiosities that I've uh, – you probably have talked about this before, so, uh, other interviews too, but I don't know. I haven't heard them. The The Four Sticks, tell me uh, yeah. Tell me about this and how did this even start? What inspired you to do this? Uh, you see, this is this is a little leprechaun named Louis Belson. Ah, okay. He's a real pain in the ass, <laughs> and he kept bugging me and poking me about doing this. I've known, I knew Louis, you know, his kid, yeah. he's a friend of my 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 folks, my family, yeah. and uh, of course Pearl, my mother's friend, yeah. Pearl Bell. So I was like, this kind of thing. I'd see him do it, and I'd go, man, that's way beyond me. B, you can do it too, and I would go. No, I can't. I can't even play one bass drum, man. Much less two bass drums. And now you want me to play four, six, and you're playing five bass drums with 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 Fiedler and 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 the and those the pumps. Go away. He's playing five he, bass drums. He was. He played five bass drums with the, with with the Boston Pops and with Arthur Fiedler and I mean wow. all those crazy people. Forget about. Oh it. man! And I would watch this and I'd go, "What is wrong with these people?" You know. <laughs> Didn't they just hear him? How can you just lay it down? Right, you know? right. And he's got to do all these other things. And I'm like, gosh, I'll never get there. Yeah. You know? And he said, hey, you got to. And he started me poking me with this. The next thing you know, he had me kind of holding his You're not going to learn it right now. And that started in 1978. Mm -hmm. Just just holding the sticks yeah. and just trying to figure out what do you do with the, the, the how do you do that? And what was involved in playing two sticks on two drums and then alternate sticking on the other hand and all this other stuff. And I'm, I'm going, I can't do this. And then next thing you know, he well, he knew me well. Yeah. I don't know. I just go sit down at the drum set, uh, sound check, and just as if putting the mics around and I just pick up four sticks. I wouldn't even know. Yeah, yeah. I just pull it off and then go in. Next thing you know, I'm doing this. I'm going, hey, 
I can do it. You know? <laughs> and then as soon as I say that, it go away. And I go, no, come back. <laughs> do it. Oh, man. And eventually, it, yeah, it's, it's not about how much time. It's the time you put in yeah. and, and the concept that you have for it. And over and over again, things would just come. First, timpani mallets, and Vic made me sticks with beads inside that were like huge. Like shakers? Microphone mallets, shaker sticks, they were called. They were burgundy. And then he stopped making them because nobody was buying them, you know, know, except me. (laughs) (laughs) And I started fooling around with that, and I said, man, that's cool. And And also, I was trying, they were almost like maracas. Yeah. You know, with, with wound in, in wool. Everybody's going, whoa! Right. You know, they wouldn't touch it. No. And no one, you're the first one to talk to me about this really? concept huh. in maybe five years. Wow. I find it. No fa- talk to me about that. Yeah. So we can we can thank or blame Louis Belson, who, whatever, it, whatever folks want. It's right? Louis. Louis, um, not only that, the three bass drums I started using with Peter Gabriel and all of that, that was Louis. Wow. You know, I was doing three bass drums, three snare drums, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, in 94 on the Gabriel tour, that's what I was doing. I want to I play a, a short video of this, uh, Bill. Let me see if I can pull up the right one here. I know you won't be able to see it, but let me see if I can, uh, if the computer... And folks who are watching... Um, get your questions or comments in we're talking to billy cobham here i'm showing a video bill of you on this uh, giant drum set that you have with four sticks uh-huh and you're playing this you're playing the concept tell me a little bit about what your concepts are or what you're thinking when you're doing a solo like this can i hear it let me see if you can hear it If I wanted to go, I have my iPad as I just thought about it. Um, how do I get you? What do I do? You go on to Musicians on the Record on Facebook. Okay. So you, you go to okay. Facebook at Musicians on the Record. Facebook. Okay. Musicians. Yep. Musicians on the Record. On the Record. Okay. Um, okay. And musicians on the record. So I got that. Yep. And we uh, we we took a a video from Drummer World. Yes, exactly. You got it. What, what do I do now? Um, you maybe refresh the feed and just scroll down a little bit. You will see. Refresh the seed. What do you mean refresh the seed? Well, refresh the feed. Um, like like hit the. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what, how to describe that, but just scroll down the page a little bit and you Careful. should see us live. Everybody yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now nothing's working. Now you nothing's see? working. Oh, Billy Cobham. Okay. I see it. You see uh, it? Uh-huh. Scroll down the page a little bit. You can see us Oh, yeah. You might want to turn your volume down on it because we'll have an echo. Just turned it up. Yeah, I got it. Okay, and now you, you should be seeing you playing. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's happening? Yeah, I'm trying to choose. I set my drums up so I choose the drum that I want to play to suit the musical environment in which I'm performing. Mm-hmm. So that said, uh, it, it comes off as being okay. Um, I want to make a I want to make a a, a, a story. Mm. I want to tell a story. I want to when I play every every note I play has a meaning. I'm not playing just rudiments. I'm playing sounds that are in combination with other sounds. That's why when you see my toms, they're set up. In, in, in such an interesting way. Yes. The 15 has taken the place of the 12. Oh. And that's all I've done is that I've taken the 12 and, uh, and, and switched it from the here. Instead of 12, 13, 14, 15, I've got 15, 13, 14, 12, 10, 8, 
you know? Amazing. And all of a sudden, it's like choosing the sound that works yeah. for you at the time. Right. That's where you want to be. That's fantastic. Now, so when I, take, when I play everything on the snare drum, emanates not necessarily, I mean, so, what I do these days is that it doesn't necessarily emanate or begin with a snare drum pattern, the first stroke on the snare drum. It can start anywhere in either direction. Hence, justifying playing from the right to the left or from the left to the right. Ambidextrous. Yes. Yeah, this is a beautiful kit you have here. Tama drums, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they are, they're these days for me the actual artisans. I mean, I'm not looking for a drum set that sounds like a bunch of boxes. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, and that has a lot to do with the concept of the individuals. Yes. You know, everybody's different. Yeah. I want my drums to, to have a specific uh, tonal quality that it owns itself. And when I choose that sound to draw the sound out, I don't play into it. I want to draw the sound out. That means that those heads have to work in concert, which means that, and that's the re again the reason for the Evans change from 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 Remo. Yeah, it was because Evans made a resonant head, just like your snare drum, yeah. snare head, yeah. but on every tom. Okay, nobody was doing that much. No. no one was paying attention to the bottom head. Right. So the thinness of the bottom head, depending on the ply and the kind of materials used, depends. And the depth of the shell, all these things come together to make the personality of one drum. Hmm. Okay, so now you've got this tonal character next to another tonal character, and it depends on, on what keys the band is playing in. Right? Right. So you choose that drum, you know, you set it up, not specifically to be in, in pitch, because drums are, are not, uh, they're very defined of pitches. You know, they, you hit it, and, or you run the, it, you're going to go flat, you know. Yeah. But it's eventually you can choose, and it has a character. It depends on how you draw the sound out of the kit. It's amazing. Now I know you're not doing it uh, anymore, but this is a, a beautiful kit here. Tell me a little bit about how long does that take to set that sucker up? About twenty minutes. About twenty minutes. Oh wow, not bad at all, right? Not at all. Man. No, it's all done pre-production. So you have you you have a a rack. Yeah, it's all. The rack's mounted. Once the, the heavy part is putting the rack together. Yeah. The rack, and, and it's already preset. Right. The rack's set up. You put the rack together, and then you put your drums on it. That's Oops, amazing. Sorry. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, can I ask you also, in, I know he worked for you in the past, uh, drum tech that you used to have. I don't know if he still works with you. Uh, you know, Jeff Oakletree. Oh, man, what a great guy. Yeah. Uh, but Jeff's been very ill. Yes, that's what I've heard. And, yeah. and, and uh, I hope that he's still with us. I mean, God forbid. But, you know, he's been very, very sick and with a very serious problem. Yeah. And I'm hoping that uh, he's been taken care of. But he's an amazing artisan. Yeah. You know, uh, he made some great drums. I've got two of them that are amazing. Yeah. Uh, they're the, um, how can I put it? The... Uh, the foundation of that drum is uh, actually my 35-pound uh, hinger. Is that right? Uh, steel stair that I used to work with Mahavishnu. And he, wow. he made all of that. Well, actually, from Mahavishnu then to my band, that's where he ran into that. To that that's that's yeah. incredible. So he not only was your drum tech, but he made drums as well. That he I still wasn't makes drums. Still he, well, makes he, drums. He designed snare drums. There, there's, there's an Oakle Tree line. You can check that out. It's on, he's got an internet uh, site. Yeah, and, and we're certainly hoping that he's doing better. I know he's had some struggles, but certainly he was teching for you and for Bonham uh, and many other folks. Uh, yes. A question that I had from a friend last night was, uh, with Jeff Ocletree uh, teching for both you and Bonham, did you guys ever connect? Did you guys ever I have? Never, I never connected with John Bonham, no. No, never had any of that connection with him. So, yeah. Um but the, the other thing that I get also is when I talk with drummers, mm -hmm. uh, there's three names that folks tell me the most as far as who's influenced them is Buddy Rich, uh -huh. Ringo, and you. God forbid. I don't know why. <laughs> what have I ever done? Well, I think you've done a lot. And uh, what does that feel like to... 
to hear that, to know that, I mean, you, you've influenced a generation of drummers. Well, it makes me very emotional, but I got to tell you, man, I would prefer to go to Evans Field and see the Dodgers play again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that would feel better, huh? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, back in the day. Yeah. You'd be, be back. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I, I was curious, just a couple more questions. Who were those guys for you, Bill? You know, we talked about the people telling me their major influences. Who are those folks for you that, like, got you connected? I want to play the drums. My 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 buddies, my friends who were around uh, on my in my block in Brooklyn in Bed-Stuy back in the day. I mean, come summertime, school's out. You know how kids get you get a group of group of buddies you, you play stickball until you're just bored yeah or you yeah. play you know you do everything on the street and it all has been done you play skelly which is like you know or marbles or things like that all these things and then you have nothing to do one day and it's a saturday morning and or and it's like nothing to do it parents are cleaning the house and you just sit on the corner and you start to talk our gang style, you know, right, so, right, right. somebody says, well, what are you going to do when you get up, grow up? And it goes on and on and on. And of course it goes from alpha all the way down to the Z, the zero, you know, which was me. And, um, cause I was the little guy, okay. you know, and, and, uh, and so they say, well, what would Billy want to do? And I said, I want to play drums. You can't play drums. That's, I can. You can't. I can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. Can. Normal, normal, normal. Yeah. Show me. Show me. So I got on the street corner. I got go over to my father's car, which I did. Good thing I didn't play it that hard. I mean, it wouldn't have hurt it because it was right. so small. I started to play on, on the on the Fender of a 1952 Chrysler. You can't. You can't right. destroy a 1952 right. you can't Chrysler. Hurt that. Yeah. No matter what, <laughs> any car today would just fall apart. Just looking, right, you know, right. coming up to it. Exactly. And uh, they looked and they went, "Wow, Billy can play drums." Hmm. And I went, hmm. yeah. you know, like, I, "Wow." <laughs> I'll always remember that. How era. old were you? Probably around six, six, seven. And, and had you ever played any drum at that point? Sure, oh, you sure. Had. My family is musician. My father's a piano player. Okay. Um, Mom singer, grandmother played guitar, cousins played congas and made steel pans and all of that back in Panama. Yeah. So yeah, it was in the house. You know, not to mention every day, unbelievable amount of music in the house. Yeah. Twenty four seven. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was. You were already it, feeling it. Yeah, it was going to happen, and it was just something that happened. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to push it. To, Somebody was always playing or some musician was coming through the house, you know, having a cup of coffee with something, a saxophone, something, sure. talking music. So, yeah, it was going to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. So when you told the folks, hey, I'm going to be a drummer, they were all for it, right? Well, well, they didn't even have, I didn't have to tell them. No. My, I just asked if I could get, I get a drum set. It said it's a, on my on my Facebook page. It's me and my brother who plays trumpet with Paul Simon right now. And. And uh, that's awesome. so he's with me with a bugle yeah. next to me, and I'm with a, a Ludwig snare drum that I still have, a 1959 Super Senator, uh, my, that I got because I got into music and art high school my first year. Amazing. And it's still there. And a, a silver sparkle bass drum that was stolen out of the car, which I was Brooklyn. And um, so you had to, you know, but I have my snare drum. Yeah. Right. I, my parents bought from Manny's in, in, in yes. Uh, of course, in New York, right? Yep. Yeah. Sign my buddy Rich and drop down the stairs, you know. <laughs> As, of course. Yeah, of course. As you do, right? As you do. Yeah, I still, I still got it. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And uh, I, I'm really excited, Bill. I want to thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else you want to tell us uh, before we wrap up for today? Well, I would like to just say that it's it's a pleasure to be here uh, uh, and and to be with you at, with, uh, at musicians on the record, oh, thank you. Dave, and, and I wish you you know long longevity with this project as well for your side. Uh, it's very necessary to have it throughout. I, I wish it could go national because I think it's a it's a wonderful way to think, have things happening. Um, that said. Uh, just to have everybody come to the to the rhythm section retreat 
and to follow the tour, if they can go to go to my website, BillyCobham.com, www.BillyCobham.com, there's a calendar that shows where I'm going to be throughout the, throughout the United States and the world. Uh, and it's it's one hell of a tour. I, I think I bit off a little bit more than I can choose, so I just have to pace myself yeah. and be stay happy and stay healthy. And, and uh, I guarantee some interesting times. Yeah. You know, when, when is your next gig uh, coming up? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so you are busy, man. You are busy. Yeah. So. Uh, we run right now. It's all Europe, and, and come September the tenth. It starts in the United States at the Blue Note in, in New York City, okay. and it runs from September 10th until October 27th. We finish at at the club where I first had my first. I led my first band with Jeff Ochiltree in the band oh, and Michael God. and Andy Brecker and Abercrombie, and it's called My Father's Place. Wow! And it will be in Roslyn, Long Island, and that's where I'm ending my U.S. tour. That's amazing. So it's coming full yeah. circle, then, right? Yeah, there you go. That's really great. Awesome. So check, you know, check the calendar and you'll yeah. see it's a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. Go to billycobham.com and uh, go to billycobhamretreat.com. Bill, I am super excited to come study with you and to connect hey. and meet you in person again. Uh, yeah. Really excited. Gonna... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy group of people. I mean, yeah. with, with you and Dom and everybody yeah, right. else, I mean, it, it can go on. Man. It's, it's, it's a super, super exciting kind of feeling. Hopefully, we're trying to get. Uh, the likes of people like George George Benson to come and speak, and you know, just because he lives down the road, yeah. you know, just if if he has the time, sure. we want to invite him to come and say hello, and yeah. and just talk about what was happening with the say, let's say, organ fields back in the day, you know, how how they worked and yeah. what they were feeling because he is a, a, a griot on himself, but it's just a, you know for an hour, sure. you know, Right. Yeah. Uh, not in, not to the public, just to us. Right. Yeah, exactly. More amazing. Another mm -hmm. amazing musician. I mean, that's my dream. I mean, I have. Yeah. We. I haven't even asked him yet, but I would love to. <laughs> well, we had Ron Carter and, and Kenny Barron before well, last year, and that was off the hook. Great. It's fantastic. Great. Would love it. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Billy Cobham, for being Excuse on me. Musicians on the Record today. Okay. Bye, everybody. Very cool episode. What did you think about that? We'd love to hear from you wherever you're listening from in the world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it. And if you want to watch this interview, there's a video, too. You can check it out on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, musiciansontherecord.com. Until next time, I'm David Ward. Thanks for listening.